podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. We it's episode four hundred and eighty-six, and that's the very first led by myself, Joe Walker, stepping in for the one and only JD this week. But I'm not alone, and helping me through what looks like a bumper episode today is Grace Matheson. How are you, Grace? Hi, Joe. Yes, good. Thank you. Honoured to be a guest on your uh, what's the word? Inaugural uh, hosting gig. What a pleasure. And I'm, I'm glad you're here too. Thank you very much. And also joining us is a man who has been called into this very hot seat himself twice this year. So I will be calling on his wealth of experience if necessary. The Lenny Lawrence to my Dougie Friedman. It's Jack Pierce. <laughs> Hello, mate. Yeah, but we have no allegiance to Charlton Athletic. So it's uh, it's all good. And I'll, I'll hang around for a little bit afterwards before I you know jump ship to, to Bolton. But uh, yeah. Thank you, Joe. Well, uh, thanks for having me along for you. As Grace is your first hosting the FYP, but a, a, a well-experienced host of many other things. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much. Now, we're pleased to announce that this season of the FYP podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Palace fixture over this season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, you'll be able to catch all the action wherever you are in the country. Keep an eye out during a season for events, offers, content and competitions that put you closer to the action. Palace are, of course, the 2pm kickoff against Wolves on Sunday. And if you can't get to sell us, then why not catch it on Sky Sports at your local Green King Sport pub? You can find out where that is at greenking.co.uk forward slash pubs dash near dash me. And I say hyphens rather than dash, but you know, you get the idea. And we come to you, listener, following two games in half a week or so. Palace drawing 1-1 at Brentford again, and then a entertaining 4-2 win at Plymouth Argyle in the Carabao Cup. Now, Rob Sutherland, Adam Sells and co. have been excellent with post-match pods for each of those games. Those are available to Patreon subscribers, along with ad-free episodes and access to the Patreon-only Discord club. More info on those at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Here, though, we'll be reflecting on both of those games too. And let's begin at Brentford, a point I don't think many are unhappy with. But Jack, a performance that did raise the concern about firepower once again. Uh, yeah, I think that was uh, the biggest concern and coming on with the point. Um, felt like a, a bit of a bit of a getaway, to be honest, because... Up until Joe had decided to to wander into the uh, the Brentford penalty area, I, I couldn't really see how a, a goal was coming. We we did force a flurry of saves from Mark Flecken, um, but I, I, we we were just so passive you know, and and a bit tepid with our passing, and everything had to come through Ebbs. And Brentford caught on to that quite quickly and, and put several men round round Ebbs. Um, so I, I I didn't see a goal coming to be honest, and I kind of made my peace with a with a 1-0 defeat. And the only thing that kept me going was the fact that game always ends in a draw. So I thought was, uh, that the fate would probably guide us to finding a, a goal somehow. And it, and it was a peculiar goal. And 
and maybe it needed something outside the box really to um to get us to the point that we probably warranted given the kind of level of performance. I didn't think Brentford did anything particularly special to warrant a win. So I think a, a point was a fair result and I think both home and away fans would have left the ground fairly satisfied that a point was the right result. But yeah, certainly question marks as you say, Joe, in terms of firepower. I don't think um Otten Edward had a particularly great game. Jean Philippe Mateta didn't do much um at the G Tech. Um probably saving it for a few days later. I'm onto that a bit. But um it, it, we did leave the ground thinking, yeah, it's, it's quite clear that there are still elements of that squad that need adding to. Um, as we record on Wednesday evening, these additions have not yet come. So um, five days until the transfer window has, has quickly become two. And the, the hope is that those deals are, are to be done in the next 48 hours. But yeah, that's the big question. Because I think apart from that, I think defensively um, and in the midfield, we were fairly solid all bar, uh, sorry, barring the, the goal, um, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to. And my man did not cover himself in glory in that moment. Well, let's jump there then. Um, Brentford's goal came down our right-hand side just as kind of the heavens opened. It was very, it felt very sudden at the at the ground. Um, and then within, so I think I made a remark with the people I was with. I went, okay, this is where someone falls on their backside and then a, and a goal goes in if the boots aren't right. And then within 30 seconds, I think uh, Brentford took the lead. Their kind of big money signings, first goal for the club, but it, Grace, I, you know, we we've got some Joel Ward defenders on this pod. I'm I would include myself in that, by the way. However, there are those games occasionally and those moments where it is difficult to defend how exposed he can be, Joel Ward in certain games like that. And that goal was probably and a, and a couple of moments later in the second half as well, where. That kind of need for another right back kind of is sort of is quite stark. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think anyone can argue that pound for pound must be one of our our best ever signings in terms of, of loyalty and, and the appearances and what he's generally brought to the club. Um, and he still gets it right more than he gets it wrong, I think. Um, and even the best have their errors and mistakes but yeah and unfortunately the the Brentford goal on on Saturday was one of those where he was definitely exposed and then because he doesn't have the pace that other players in that position might have couldn't make up for it in the same way as others might um and just really caught him out but uh, like I say I think it happens to the best of them. I was going to say the best of us, but I can't put myself in in the same category. It would have happened. It, it would have happened to me too, yeah. to be honest, Grace. I'll, I'll that agree. makes Joel feel better. Yeah. Would have happened to anyone. Um, and I think we're so quick to be critical sometimes. When um, I can't remember who was it. The Villa. Oh, it was Tielemans, wasn't it? I think um, at the start of the season or in Villa's preseason, had a GoPro, or whatever it was, attached to him, and it was showing real time in the game, and it was just. Obviously, you know, at the Premier League, it's the highest level. Everything's happened so quickly. But watching that really just reinforced, it is split second stuff. So, Joel Ward slips, what takes his eye off the ball, whatever it is, for half a second. And, and that's it. The mistake is made. Um, so, yeah, luckily for him, and like you say, well, with Brentford games pretty much always, well, always ending in a, in a draw. I saw Brentford tweeted uh, death taxes and, and drawing with Palace, didn't they? So, they know. <laughs> They know the score as well, um, that it, it didn't cost us too much. Um, but yeah, not not his finest moment for sure. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not kind of holding this out open as an opportunity to kind of t- take him down. Some people might want to. Some people listening might be absolutely kind of baying for his blood, maybe at this point. But Jack, as the the resident kind of Joel War champion, and again, I'm I'm not trying to just leave you in the dirt here. I I am someone that has been kind of right behind you recently, particularly in this second Hodgson spell. Um, how you know it's difficult. A game like that make it's quite tough to kind of, you know, be as have your chest as puffed. Yeah, he he didn't have a particularly great game, did he? I mean, the goal aside, he made a a mistake in the second half, which led to him having to make quite the um the, the desperate lunge to to put it out for a corner as well after kind of slicing the back pass. So he didn't have a particularly comfortable afternoon. I mean, it's funny as the as the teams came out, I looked at the right hand side, looked at Wardy and Jordan Nine, I thought, well, there's a diligent right hand side if ever we had one. Yeah. Um. And and while the blame for the goal does sit with the fullback, I, I thought Jordan and I, you probably could have done a little bit more tracking back and, and you know, that, that both of them have a degree of fault, but it is predominantly Wardy who who needs to be better for that goal. I'm sure he doesn't need telling that. I'm, I'm sure he played that goal over many, many times since he won it. And and to give credit to the, the attacker Sade is still a very deep Crazy finish. Fit. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a it's a top Premier League quality finish and, and Sam Johnson, who actually didn't have to make a save all afternoon, kind of find the point that Brentford didn't really do enough to win the game um, couldn't really do anything about it it's absolutely superb finish and you can see why Brentford have paid the money for for a guy that can do that um, but yeah Wardy will want to do better if, if the alternative is Nathaniel Klein I think we saw last night goal that we conceded coming from uh, a strength of Joel Ward not being in the team at the back stick with a header so with, with both of those they have their kind of negatives and I, I think um, that the calls for us to invest in the right back Fair, they continued. Yeah, it looks like we're going to go through another transfer window where that isn't the case. Uh, Joe, I know you're a fan of Jed Spence, and you've mentioned him previously, and he's one who's <laughs> gone to Leeds on loan. So clearly, there are players that a lot of Palace fans, Max Aarons was another one um, early in the window who went to Bournemouth. So there are players that you would think Palace would look at have been available on the market that they just haven't had a go at. So for whatever reason, we are going to at least the first half of the season with Joel Ward and, and Nathaniel Klein as our right back options. And um, currently also our reserve left back option, which is yeah. perhaps more of the the issue. But um, you know, all in all, um, not one of Wardy's best games. Um, but clearly has the trust of the manager, and, and I would expect him to retake his place for Sunday's match against Wolves. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I feel like I feel like those kind of moments and performances they aren't as often as I think his biggest critics would like you to think. I can, uh, you know, compared to someone like I was someone that it was very easy to point out games that uh, Van Arnholt would have like that pretty regularly, particularly in lockdown and towards the end of his time at Palace. Whereas I feel like Wardy has them just infrequently enough that, you know, it's almost, it's still like this confirmation bias to people that want to see a change there. But actually across the season, I, you know, I still find him pretty dependable, but that was just, you know, a bad day at the office as they would call it. I think another another one who's been linked with Palace previously and that's moves this week is Timothy Castagna. And I saw elements of his defensive play last year and I thought, my word, he's he's not the level that maybe some think, but still a lot of Palace fans think we should have gone in for him at a fee of around thirteen to fifteen million pounds. That's maybe not that big an investment, but when you're dealing with the budget we're dealing with and also taking into account his wages, which by all accounts are near six figures. Would have been top six wages, yeah. Yeah, would, would would be hanging around the sort of salary that we're looking to offer 
Eberichi Eze if, if papers is to be believed. So what do you do? Do you kind of invest in a place in the squad that you know you've got a dependable pair in Ward and Klein and, you know, maybe put that money elsewhere? We'll, we'll talk about that as the pod goes on, other players that have um, and And maybe the development of Kafour in the youth system is something that Palace are maybe hedging their bets with as well. I don't know. It is bizarre that we are in a position that we are in with right back, but I still don't think it's a case that we have to make a signing simply for making a signing's sake. And clearly the club and Friedman and, and Parrish in particular, um, that Dougie Freeman in particular, I should sort of single out there, just hasn't seen the value in the market for players that have gone to other clubs. And, you know, we trust Dougie with our signings, so I guess we've got to trust Dougie on this one too. Right. Now, uh, it did take quite, still a splendid finish to put Brentford in the lead and it took one to equalise. Um, we've got more questions later, but Julia Toff tweeted in saying, isn't it worth to see how Joachim Anderson would do as our number nine right now? Now, I imagine that was tongue-in-cheek and the goal, you know, a bit of a freak. But Anderson, Grace, looked for me like the best player on the pitch on Saturday. Was putting in some of the best crosses I've seen a Palace player do recently, which isn't his job, but the kind of slow pressure that we were putting on Brentford, just as we were doing against Arsenal, actually. Anderson, I think, found a lot of the ball and was, you know, looking like one of our bigger creative threats, as proved by the goal, because he ended up kind of just doing a, right, I'll do it myself kind of thing. I mean, yeah, he's sickening, isn't he? If I was a guy, I'd hate him. He looks like he does. He plays like he does. He's, he's got the whole package. But um, yeah, no, uh, a lot more success than the time we stuck. Was it Scott Dan up front away at Anfield? Um, which didn't, didn't yield any results other than pure frustration and wondering what the hell it was Pardew at the time um, was playing at. But um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, if he can add those elements to his game on top of what he already brings, then fantastic. And yeah, it was a bizarre, bizarre goal. But I mean, they they all count, don't they? No one on the score sheet looks at how, how it was scored. It's just a goal. Um, and yeah, great, great for him to get one and to bring those sort of marauding runs to to his game and and crossing the ball when that's notoriously an area that we we seem to struggle with in terms of historically we seem to either play someone up top that wants the ball crossed to them and we don't play anyone that can cross it, or we play someone that's capable of crossing the ball and we don't play anyone up top that's getting on the end of it. So if we can just match the two together, who knows what we could achieve. It's quite bizarre, is it, that for what he is one of our probably classiest players I can remember, his first ever Palace goal is, and what might, you know, for we know, might only be become his only Palace goal, is one of the scrappiest that I can remember ever seeing. It's, I, I don't mean, it's just, even to see it in real time was just really bizarre. Well, that's his second Palace goal. He, his first Palace goal was the same weekend last year at Man City. In the... My God, forgive me. I have totally erased that from my mind. I, that, that it's an game. afternoon. Same it's an afternoon. Weekend. We prof- same weekend, exactly. Same weekend. weekend of August. So yeah. funny. He saves it for. Um, but he, back right, back I mean, yeah, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Uh, it's the type of goal you wouldn't associate with someone so technically gifted. Um, but the movement is something you probably wouldn't yeah. associate with somebody who's so kind of tactically astute. I mean, I think Selzy put in the post match or really quite pertinent point about him. The, the only thing that's missing from his game that probably puts him amongst Europe's best central defenders is 
maybe a yard or two's extra pace. Other than that, I have to look at him similarly to Mark Gay and think, how the hell are you playing for Crystal Palace? Like, he is unbelievably good, Jurgen Mans. Um, and his control of a football match from centre back is almost unmatched in my experience of watching Palace. Like, his ability to dictate the pace of our attacking play while also being such a outstanding defender at the same time is, is really quite sensational. And, you know, if, if other clubs are looking at him as, as is rumoured, you, you wouldn't blame them. And I have to be honest, when I was listening to um, the uh, Newcastle-Liverpool game on the radio driving back from Ikea on, on uh, Sunday afternoon and, and heard that Sven Botman had gone down and yeah. was being carried off, I, I did start to panic somewhat. And you'd like to think that even with 48 hours left, that's very unlikely to happen, that Jörg Anderson would be... Um, or the club would be tempted with an offer, whatever that offer would be for Jörg Anderson. But he really is playing some very, very good football. Um, and I think, you know, as Grace and I both kind of indicate, I don't really see how we were going to score unless we did something a bit different. And there was an instant, instant about five minutes before the actual goal where Anderson had the ball in a similar part of the pitch. And I, I did kind of think to myself, well, you know, be the additional one because Brentford had kind of dropped off by that point. You know, it was just after the free kick that Edward had forced a good save from. It was just after the... The double save from Lerner's header and I use um, follow up that Flecken did really well. And I just thought, you know, they're pinned back here. You know, Mark Gay is good enough to be that on a standalone, just playing 10 yards behind. And, and Anson didn't do it on that occasion, but, you know, five minutes later he did and, and got his reward. So chuff for him. But yeah, he's he's absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, I I think he's probably creeping into my all time Palace 11. Oh, it's a big, big yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess, <laughs> who would it be ahead of, I guess? Well, I mean, in terms of ability, I think you should probably have to say him and Mark Gay are the two best centre-backs technically to ever play for Crystal Palace. I, I would say that. Yeah. You don't have to say that list stuff, but I would say that. Well, I'm just thinking, who is in the, who is in the, I'm thinking about the Centenary eleven that was done many moons ago now. Was, that, was it Coleman at centre-back for that? I can't remember. I mean, yeah. you've got players that, you know, we've had this conversation, we've done... Yes, the Palace draft, for example, and players like Jim Cannon, for a lot of fans, will be picked above those two, and rightly so because of what they did and how they represented the club. In terms of technical ability, I mean, yeah, they were asked to do. Cannon was asked to do a lot fewer things, I imagine. Yeah, but on the types of pitches that he was asked to do, them. yeah. So th there's lots of variables in this conversation, but I, I, I just look at Jack Manson and Mark Gay, who, who, you know, was probably put into the shadows by his centre back partner. Or Saturday, but yeah, I was I was chuffed he got his goal because I thought it was a reward for, as you say, Joe being the best player on the pitch. Yeah, um, he earned his rest a few days later at Home Park. wasn't even in the squad, I believe, along with Decore. Although I don't think I chose not to believe in any kind of panic that's, that that indicated. That, that said Twitter wild as well. Yes, I I chose not to read anything into doesn't that. Take much, doesn't? No, quite great. Um, and so. Plymouth Five guy on the Carabao Cup. What you know? If firepower was an issue at uh, the G Tech Stadium a few nights before, it became a surprising kind of issue again in a different way. Certainly a more positive light um, because, quote unquote, in I think the words of Tyreek Mitchell, played Baldy. John oh, is, it, is it Tyreek? Was it? Is there's that a, we, uh, we there's a there's a there's a suspicious TM uh, uh, next to it, which. I'm sure I've tried to, you know, two and two equals five, maybe, but Detective Walker. There we go. Jean Philippe Mateta getting a hat trick. Palace's first since 2015. Um, uh, Dwight Gale at Charlton, which is I t totally erased my mind. I think I was at that game by 
totally forgotten that actually. League Cup, League Cup four one. Yeah, at Sellers, which that I mean, eight years is a long time. And uh, tweet here from War, a username Ward. Are you waiting for Parish? So, <laughs> who asks? Is there anything possibly more Palace than having a striker we are selling get a hat trick on this possible last game? Now, Grace. Does 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 this does this hat trick? Let's not focus on his performance necessarily. How does the hat trick affect how we should be assessing him, particularly in these final few days of the window for you? I mean, to answer that question, it is peak Palace, isn't it, to have um, someone to turn up? I mean, although he didn't he do it was it last year or the season before when he'd been linked with a move away? He yeah. it off. I think that was when he scored against Millwall, was it? And then a few others. Um, so he's he's got form for it. If we could have a bit more form throughout, we wouldn't have had these problems in the first place. Um, but yeah, I mean, no disrespect to Plymouth, but it, it was Plymouth were the opposition and not even a full-strength Plymouth team. Um, so I think as, as great as it was and great for confidence um, and just generally to have a striker actually scoring, which is a bit of a novelty for us, um, take it with a pinch of salt in terms of would it be the end of the world if he left caveated on the basis that we would be getting someone in? I presume that is what the, the remit is. He doesn't go unless we bring someone in. Then, I mean, what what a swan song if it is. Yeah, it, quite. It, it, it surely cements his cult status. It, it probably cements his cult status great more in a greater way if he's sold off the back of a hat-trick rather than wait until January for him to go on loan to the Bundesliga or Liga. And so... Um, I mean, what I would say about his finishes last night, taking to Grace's point, it's against it's against Plymouth, but the finishes were actually very, very decent, and uh, particularly the one that he he took um, for, for the hat trick goal. That was the type of finishing you you want from your striker, like very, very confident. Um, Lee hit and and clearly savouring the moment. But yeah, it's interesting what will happen with him. Um, I I suspect it won't alter Palace's thoughts on the matter. I think you know the. the Forty-eight hours to go until the window, seventy-two hours when the game happened. We're we're, we're either making tracks for players or we're not. So um, I I don't know if a hat trick in the second round of the League Cup will be enough to determine, but for Roy Hodgson that you know, he is his man after all. And you know, <laughs> Royce has been waiting for Plymouth away. I don't think that's the case. I think if if even Trey Adams or Kalechi Iniacho or uh, Hugo Etiquette, if I am saying that right, apologies, yes, French listeners. Um, but if 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 any of those are available, I dare say, given Roy's previous use of Jean Philippe, I think he might prefer to switch up. But what a way to say goodbye if it is au revoir. Right. Um, I feel like we're doing a few people a disservice if we don't mention them and their performance at Home Park uh, on Tuesday Plymouth, night as Plymouth, well. Plymouth Argyle, you mean? First, yeah, firstly, Plymouth Argyle went 2 0 ahead. <laughs> Um, second goal was outstanding um, and by sort of Roy Hodgson's account he was very impressive how they played and although he made the quote I think he said my wife could have made that substitution that was required on the hour um, Sheely tactician quite I, 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 it was still very much a Plymouth performance that demanded it um, we didn't really have a control on the game at many points there was a a sort of Raksaki creative chance that Mateta doesn't get on the end of but they're kind of few and far between really and um, first half it was all Plymouth really 
Um, but that substitution, a triple change of Ebbs, Schlup, and Ayu all coming on, all three of them got an assist <laughs> within 10 minutes. Um, Eze, I've seen some Argyle fans speaking online. They talk about Ebbs as one of the best players they've seen at home park in their, what, 25-minute cameo, if you want to call it that. Um, sometimes you forget how good it is having someone like that in the team, as you guys. I, I just, even in the highlights, because there was no live coverage of this game outside of radio, you know, it's, it looks a cut, Ebbs looks a cut above to see at that level. The ballerina, the way he moves, um, the way he's gliding past players, it's quite sensational. I, th- I think when I saw your name on the bench, I, I did, even at 2 0 down, I thought, well, if he comes, he was going to be a case either he comes on or Roy doesn't put him on at all. Right. And he just wraps him up in cotton wool for the weekend. But, you know, I guess when you look back at the bench and you've got a guy who's justifiably recently earned his first England call up and cap, you're going to put him on the pitch. And, and, and credits Jordan Nye and Jeffrey Shutt for having an impact too. But, um, yeah, he, he was a cut above when he came on and really changed where we were playing the game. We played it another 25 yards up the pitch and, and then you're going to get Edward and, and Mateta into the game a bit more. Um, but the succession of goals in such a quick period of time, yeah, that's, that's quite something. But yeah, as you say, Joe, credit to Plymouth and, and Stephen Schumacher is is a manager that a lot of think will have a, a good career in the game and is clearly doing a job at Plymouth. So, um, you know, that wouldn't have been an easy game to turn around. But the, the key is, I'm sure Grace will agree, the key was putting Ebbs on the pitch and uh, what happened, happened. Yeah. Yeah. It glides his depth. That was the word I was going to use. He literally, it's like, his feet don't touch the floor. He is, he's so graceful and I felt that I was watching the highlights back again this morning of the goals and it's like you've got everything else moving and he's like that cog in the middle that just helps everything sort of turn in the way that it should be when without it it's a bit sort of like we reach a certain point on the pitch and then it's almost like get a nosebleed like what do we do now um and he just effortlessly seems to to connect everything and yeah like like you guys said earlier I sometimes find myself just sat there smiling like a bit of an idiot at something that he's done because he is such a joy to watch and I mean people like him and Elise clubs like Palace don't get um all the time so yeah we've got to enjoy them while we've got them haven't we and and the impact that they have on everyone else around them he he he, he got the space in last night's game that he did not get on Saturday and I guess that's the difference between the championship and the Premier League in that you know, the discipline at midfields to stick so tightly um, in terms of their own shape and then therefore having the impact on the attacking opposition. He, he just didn't have space on Saturday and there were moments when Chet Decore in particular was looking for Ebbs and there just was no pass on and we ended up having to go back to Joe Commanderson and Mark Gay time after time. But last night he was given that space because you know, it's, a, it's a different level you're playing against. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure he had a, an enjoyable 25 minutes because... Um, he ripped up the championship when he was a championship player, so to be playing against championship opposition as a Premier League player must have been even more fun for him. Yeah. Now, who will be joining Eze at Palace? We'll be getting into in part two, along with some listener questions, but I have one more question for the pair of you before we jump into that. If he's still here and nobody comes in, do you start Mateta against Wolves on Sunday? I'll let you go, Grace. Oh, you shirker. Threw you in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suspect that Roy will still go with Edward, as that seems to be his preferred approach. But would it be worth, might be worth 
twisting rather than sticking and, and give Mateta a go. I mean, it depends. Yeah, like you say, if he's still here, but um, yeah, I'll have to wait and see. And if you can't ask Ray, that's well, very, very lawyer answer. Lawyer answer. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you can't after a hat-trick, I don't know when you can, but even with that in mind, I suspect Rory probably won't. Um, I, I actually thought Edward had a pretty bang-average game on Saturday. Joe, you were there too, and I, yeah. there was a moment where the ball literally bounced off him and went out for a throw, and I thought, well, right, okay, <laughs> this is not your afternoon, mate. So he um, you know, he started the season with a goal. Um, I thought he had his moments against Arsenal, though looked a bit isolated at times. Um, but on Saturday, other than the free kit, which was a set piece, didn't really think he... He did too much, particularly after the first 10 minutes where he did look quite lively. But, you know, from 10 minutes in, he, he didn't really do much. But, you know, I, I, we've said so many times about Odson as well on this podcast that he needs time. So I think to chuck him out of the team for Jean-Philippe Mateta might do more harm than good with Odson Edouard. And I think in the longer term, that might be negative. But, hey, chucking on a very confident Jean-Philippe Mateta with 25 minutes to go can't be a bad thing. So, you know, let's see what the next 48 hours brings. But... If he is still a Palace player on Sunday, then not a bad thing to have off the bench. Right. Right. That's the end of part one. Quite a staky part one, but there were two games to cover. So thank you for your help there, guys. Um, part two, questions and transfer window chat. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Wee. Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Right, some more listener questions sent in via X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, Julian Chenery, by the way, quick shout. Um, Jack saw him on the way home from Brentford. I saw him on the way there. When is the Statler and Waldorf pod? Is his question. I presume that he's referring to us and not the post match, right? I don't know. I mean, he, his comments were about the post match to me, so. Look, all, all we can say to, to Julian is, we love you, keep listening. <laughs> uh, Julian doing the Marathon March again this year, by the way. So if you haven't donated, like myself, I need to do that. Uh, get yourself online, find the uh, link, shouldn't be too difficult. And I think he'll share it for you if you find him online. And uh, yeah, show the FYP guys some support. It does help us as we go along the way. Um, else, other questions. Let's start with the positive questions that came in. Um this one came from France. I was quite intrigued. This is someone going by the name of Dr. Espoir. I've added a little bit of, a little bit possessed to that. A little bit of slamming. But I, ha- but I have translated the, the question to... Oh. Is Jordan Ayew currently the best player? Now, I'm going to make a case for this. Three games, three assists. I nominated as my player of the month for August. Grace, what do you think about that? I mean, yeah. It's it's hard to argue with it at the minute, really, isn't it? Outside the, um, I mean, stats. I mean, if you stop looking at him as a striker, which most of us have done now, it's just yeah. non-Palace people that still seem to put him in that bracket. And what look at what he does actually bring. Um, yeah, he's great. Um, pound for pound, must be one of the best signings we've made uh, over the years. Um, if if he could just add a couple more goals, that would make him even even better. But no, yeah. Definitely can't can't turn our nose up at what he's brought to to games this month. 
Our problem is if he could score a few more goals, he probably would be playing for Palace. That's a very good point, yeah. And wouldn't have gone for two million a couple of years ago. But I, I love him. I think, you know, his, his diligence, um, both going in both directions, is is to be lauded. And um, yeah, whether or not he's our best player so far this season, I, I think I might give that to Joachim Anderson. I think he's playing at quite a level, but he's certainly a threat. And and I think whatever happens with uh, Michael Elise's return, I think could be, could well be the case that Jordan Ayew keeps his place in the team either through the middle or maybe even coming off the left-hand side until France is ready. So um, Roy loves him. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Roy absolutely loves him and trusts him to do whatever job he asks him to do. So um, yeah, he he's had a very good start to the season. Um, uh, is he one that's his contract's up at the end of this season? Oh, it's a good question. I'm not sure, actually. Okay. I think I read that Jeffrey Schlutz is, so, um, you know, it might depend if Roy signs his extension. But, uh, right. no. All, all in all, very good start to the season for, for Jordan. And um, did he get the assist? For, it, it was an assist for him, was it? With the Anderson goal. Against the Anderson was a, was a one-two, although I guess it was a kind of... Def- is it quite sure finish, finish, or was it deflected yeah. off it? I wasn't quite sure, but, hey, he, he was a... a he, and he was our threat on, in terms of an attacking threat. He was the one that kept kept going, and yeah. his ability to keep the ball when he really shouldn't is is quite incredible. Really, yeah. technically, he's very very good. Um, I suspect with everybody fit that Selzy might get his wish, and that Roy may place him down the middle, particularly if we struggle to get somebody in. And I know that we had relative joy with him there but it was a while ago but that I, I do think that's how much I think Roy backs him actually and uh, this recent uh, some people have compiled I think Match Day CPFC online compiled, compiled his kind of performance at bait stats don't tell the whole story but it's certainly sort of since Roy has come back in he is a lot more productive uh, in, in not necessarily himself with goals although he has scored more in that period than he had previously. Um, he has seemed to kick on a bit. And I, I, I think with the assists, I think we spoke about it the last time we were on, Jack. The Because of the who are fit at the moment, we are, kind of, particularly in the forward areas, sort of down to the bare bones. This Schlup, a left-footed player on the left of a front three, and Ayu, a right-footed player on the right of a front three, we're seeing crosses into the box on you know in a sort of direction that we don't see as often. And it's produced... The Edward goal at Home Park, but also um, Edward's goal at Sheffield United, and I, I do wonder how much that's factored into it. That whether just because of the balance of the the current wide players, whether we're just actually just don't come inside, just put some balls into the box, and and actually we might get more joy. Yeah, it's certainly a change of tact from from last season, particularly on the right hand side. Um, and and Wilf has never won to whip across it anyway. You know, he he his was a lot more about interplay from coming inside so um, yeah it's a different tack I mean maybe we shouldn't talk too much about Jeffrey Schlapp on the left hand side of our front three because mm-hmm. I've already sensed less than his uh, blood pressure going up but he, he he didn't really do enough on Saturday as he started as the the front uh, sorry the left of the front three and, and eventually ends up having to kind of move Ebbs out there for even parts of the first half which then in, in essence takes away your you know most important attacking yeah. component away from where you ideally started him so that is an issue, but you know, appreciate the short term. But as, as Celsi says, we are three league games into the season, so we probably should not be in this position. Um, and and hopefully a few incomings will will alleviate that happening too many times this season. But 
yeah, it's a change of tax. And but as Grace says, it all depends on who's in the box to put the ball in the net. Unfortunately, Glenn Murray left Palace nine years ago. So, is it really that long now? It can't be far. 20, 24, no, 2015, eight, 2015. eight years ago. 2015. Yeah, still, I just say, still like, hurts. Yes, absolutely. Still hurts. So, a, a, a glum end to what was actually quite a positive <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> but we love Jordan Ayew. Yes, Jordan. we love Jordan Ayew. Let's go to a, an even more positive question I'll, I'll throw to you, Grace. It's from Lee, at Lee Ayers, who says, with five clubs on one point or fewer after the relegation battle, uh, no, sorry, with five clubs on one point or fewer, are the relegation battle teams already sorted out? Can we relax and look forward to a thrilling fight to keep 11th place as our own? I, I feel that's a very early call, Lee, but Grace, do you, do you, how do you see that? I mean, yeah, we, like you say, three games in, um, we are only on four points, even those on nine points, the likes of Man City, I don't think we could categorize, well, obviously they are safe, but you know what I mean. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a good start um, to the to the start of the season. Um, four points can't be sniffed at, and there do seem to be um, some weak teams down at the bottom. Um, and the more that are down there, the better. But obviously, clearly, the amount of time we've been in this league now, and and everyone says it every season, we have got to be looking for more than just the bare minimum. Um, and I think that's regardless of whether we get more players in or not. I mean, we finished was it eleventh last year. Um, be nice if we got some more bodies in to make the dizzy height of a tenth or even single digits. Um, but nosebleed central, so we'll we'll take it slow. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good start, and hopefully we won't be languishing down near the bottom, and there won't be too many. Well, there will be meltdowns on Twitter, but there we are. Well, uh, all things considered, Jack, those three games, four points against. Arsenal, Sheffield United and Brentford. Brentford's the real kind of acid testing, I suppose. But a point there, I, I I think given that this is a Palace 11 at the moment starting that no one's particularly happy with, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not kind of in a situation looking at a team like a, an Everton or even a, this weekend's opponents where you're thinking, oh, we've taken a hammer in there or, you know, we've actually, we're staying in games. The, the areas of we need improvement are pretty obvious but it's not it's hamstring it's hamstrung us but not to the extent where we are just we are just giving games and points away yet yeah my mate Owen said as the players were coming over to kind of clap the away end on not to say four points from those first three games is is really what you would have wanted as a bare minimum so we've done that we're we're not under behind where we were and and I think probably like for like compared to last year's fixtures we're probably mirroring the same return four points from those three games so um, that that's not to be sniffed at, given as you say we are lacking some players that are unfit, and also some hopefully some incomings to, to kind of supplement the existing squad of players. So I'm, I'm relatively comfortable with the start we've made. Um, you know, the only frustration is if we had more options off the bench on Saturday, I think we possibly could have gone on and win that game. I, I think when it gets to one-one, both teams probably go, okay, look. look. Let's go and it's chucking it. It's absolutely biblical out here. Let's yeah. let's get inside. But if we had more options, if Roy had uh, a little bit more at his disposal, um, we we possibly could have gone on. Same against Arsenal with ten men. You look you look at that game and you think actually if we had more options, we might have been able to at least force to save out of rounds there, which is probably the biggest frustration from that game. But all in all, you know, steady start to the season. I I, I think I'll I'll nick this directly from the Totally Football Show, but 
they, they do ponder this week as to whether this is the earliest the Premier League table has kind of formed in that City are already top of the table on maximum points and the bottom, is it five you said, or Lee, Lee said in his question, are the bottom five that you would you know probably expect to be yeah. down there? And, and even just above them are Bournemouth and, and Wolves are around there. So the teams that, that most football fans and most bookies expect to be down at the sort of bottom of the table are down there and Man City already comfortably at the top of the table, albeit not the kind of gap in points because the points haven't been there to win. But yeah, interesting. And um, did we end the game week, as Americans call it, 12th? Did we finish 12th? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. It's just where we go. No, we're, we're actually 11th. Oh, okay. Well, there's your nose bleeding. Talking there you about. Go. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so the slow, slow ascent to the top has begun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, and we'll talk about walls as we come onto it, but I'm sure all three of us have hopes that we go into that game. Um, but you could already, you know, despite being in West London, let's say, you could already hear the, the Goodison cries when that goal went in the 87th minute. You know, that is, that's a club desperate. Uh, th- the three promoted teams, the longer that kind of run of, lack of wins goes when you're first up in the Premier League you know that starts to kind of weigh on you a little bit and you know Burnley were everyone's big tip this year in terms of you know they're going to look a bit decent yeah they haven't hit the ground running at all so yeah it's, it's a an interesting start to the season across the league I think we could be quite comfortable with the way we've started because I think we've started it the way that we would hope to last the season yeah it's not it's never too early to be a crisis club I think particularly in football I never think we are in a position to not be looking over our shoulders uh, until a lot further down the line, but we are so far not one of those sides. You know, as you said, you make they're making themselves known pretty early on. But Lee, I do think you can um, you can take a few moments to relax and just enjoy where we are on the table, but don't don't just write off too quickly. Um, until four o'clock on Sunday. Quite there you go. Uh, <laughs> Dan Cooper, this is a, a longer question, but one I, I, I thought is worth bringing to the panel and the pod. Uh, he asked, my five-year-old has recently started showing an interest in football and Palace specifically, which I'm obviously loving. However, he came home from school recently looking forlorn. He'd announced to his friends that he supports Palace and all the kids who apparently support Man City despite living in East London told him that Palace are rubbish and, quote, the worst team ever. Oh, I remember that. Uh, he was gutted. Can the panel share any advice on how I can encourage his Palace fandom without ruining his life? Any advice much appreciated. First of all, Dan, I say good to be aware that it is going to ruin his life. We're all, <laughs> you know, but take a seat. Take a seat at Palace Anonymous. Um, you're safe here. Aren't listening now. We'll start doing a child-friendly FYP or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Grace, how, how, how did you navigate Palace fandom at school with those because it wasn't Man City then I know you're younger than us but it, you know it's the traditional Chelsea Palace so Chelsea Palace <laughs> Manchester United Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool um, even Spurs tried to sort of stick it on me in school days which ah oh, nah but uh, how what was your coping mechanisms how, how did you keep the love Grace Oh, well, firstly, Dan, I would tell him to ask his mates how often they've ever actually seen Man City, because um, yeah. that's always, always the way to go. Um, and that's how I always dealt with it at school. Um, and even, to be honest, at the ripe old age I am now, when people like to pick on me for supporting Palace and I ask them how many times they've seen their team. And I've usually been to their team's ground more than they have and seen them more times. So that's usually a pretty good uh, hard stop. But um, 
it is it is hard though and i had the sort of double-edged sword growing up of of being a palace fan and also being a girl so the fact that i liked football was even more sort of alien to anyone that oh wow she likes football and she likes a team that aren't any good what does she know um but no i wouldn't change a thing i think back to some of my my earliest um palace memories sorry if i make anyone feel old or young or anywhere in between I'm in some of the things i really vividly remember like going to the playoff final in cardiff in 2004 oh, um, and yeah okay <laughs> i thought i thought you were about to say the playoff final Wembley is going to go no i was a bit bit older by that stage but the one in 2004 and being allowed to buy these little sunglasses which i've still got and they've been to other wembley trips since which are red and blue and say crystal palace on them and at that stage, I had my name on the back of my shirt and I remember people shouting, Grace, Grace, like amongst all the Palace fans. And I just think the community among Palace generally is is great um, of all ages. And, and I remember being taken to games when I was little and it was my parents telling the people around us like not to swear, etc. And now, now it's my mum telling my dad not to swear because of other people around <laughs> us instead. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one to navigate. But, yeah, I mean, it's just got to keep take, taking them to games where you can enjoying it where you can hoping that there's there's some some wins in there and that our home form brings some joy um and also things like the cup um staying in the cup for longer and hopefully maybe getting a home draw just opens more doors for more people that otherwise might not be able to go or get the opportunity to go so hopefully we have um slightly longer cup runs this year than we have previously under roy yeah, would you would you anything to add to that, Jack? It's a great answer from Grace. I mean, the only thing to add, Jack, is that you and I went to the same school, and there, there weren't many of us, were there? No, Alice. It's quite a couple in my year, a couple in your year, but you know, it, we were done out by you know, Man United fans and a lot of Liverpool fans who I guess were hangovers from that. Yeah, yeah, they were they were the children growing up in South London, and the the kind of John Barnes effect. There were a lot of you know, a lot of London Reds. Um, in, in South Lord at the time. So, yeah, we, we were few and far between. But, um, I mean, in terms of advice to Dan, we've got a great kit. I think the kit is a great seller to any kid. Red and blue is, you know, really cool. Um, and, and get into a game. And, you know, Dan, hopefully there's a game you can get to sooner with your son. And I think that's kind of the taste that any child really needs to actually go and see a live game. Whatever the club is, once you get into a game and you start to see it and you start to feel part of it, I think... Um, yeah, there's a yeah huge attachment to a club once you get. So hopefully, Dan, you and your son get to a game not too uh, far down the line. And if you do, give us a shout. We'll give you a shout out on the pod. Um, that we'll we'll you know make a big deal of it because I mean I remember my first game and it was it's just great. Like it, it's being a child, but then you do have to deal with it with people taking less so now. I hope I hope there's kids in one of the areas near the ground that are in fact. Like, at Ikea on Sunday I saw a child walking through Ikea in a palace show and I thought wow there you go we're, we're big time we're, we're big time here so I, I think it's just uh, a case of, of being loud being proud and being palace well exactly and I, yeah there's no substitute really for, for being able to get to games it's a very kind of addictive experience it's a, for a child it's just it's there's no kind of comparative experience like you know even a, a fun day at the park doesn't have that many people down there as enthusiastic yeah. Um, I also think, as Grace touched on there, you d it must it must be more likely now. Particularly, I mean, you mentioned when you and I were at school, Jack. 
primary school, you know, my whole school years put together, I think Palace were in the Premier League twice in like two, two cumulative seasons. So it wasn't great. But um, the odd scalp against yes. one of those big teams, you need one every couple of years because that, you could die out on that. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that that oh four oh five season, we were only up in a, the Ali Johnson year in the Premier League. That four points against Spurs, the the win against Liverpool. Oh boy, I, I the one all against Arsenal. I, oh, I, I, you should have seen me on that Monday morning. But Joe, when you say that, the the one that comes back to me is the uh, two thousand and one semi final against Liverpool, Oof. where Andres Rubens had uh, obviously taken us to Dreamland and we beat him one. <laughs> and I just remember my dad saying to me like, "There is a second leg, mate," and I'll be like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like we we beat them once, we could beat them again," and then. The Thursday morning after that 5-0, I think my dad had to drag me to the bus to go to Shirley High. It was not a good day. It was not a good day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, what I hope, you know, talking about cups, and, and Grace, you mentioned the cup earlier. You know, in view of Dan's question, I really hope we get a you know, lower league home tie in this round. Dan, I hope you can get across to South London for the, for the third round of the, the League Cup. Sunday United at home. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for tonight. I mean, I hope that anyway for Palace's uh, progression through the cup. But yeah, and I think it's important that clubs like Palace, and I think that, you know, there's a, a duty and obligation of Premier League clubs where obviously make so much money from you know other revenue streams to keep cup games at a relatively accessible price so people can maybe use cup tires as their first game. They can assist Yeah. One more note on that as well, Dan, if you're still listening. Uh, FIFA, it's difficult at the age of five it's too early. But what I have noticed with children is that Palace in the context of FIFA and video games is very useful tool. Maybe not immediately, maybe in a couple of years time, but being like, here's a photo I took outside the, in the fan zone with this player. He's rated 74 on FIFA and they absolutely <laughs> eat it up. They absolutely eat up these kids. So put that one in your back pocket, Dan. And uh, that, that's my last tip for you anyway. Um, now, we've got a couple more questions. I'll fly through them just because it allows us to kind quickly, easily uh, seg into uh, transfer chat. So Matt Considine says, how long till we actually sign a 10 to 15 goal a season striker? He reckons takes summer at the very earliest. You know, it depends how well St. Edward does this season, but who else is coming in? But also, just wanted to... KW13 asked, if we don't make any more signings before the end of the window... Is the plan to back up the first team with former academy guys like Raksaki? If so, do we have any strikers coming up? Now, um, multiple reports today on the day of recording that John Kamani Gordon's set to join League One Cambridge United on loan. And then also Adler Nascimento, who I don't think we, we paid quite a significant amount of money for from Peterborough a couple of years ago. He's still only 18, but has played a first team game for Peterborough. He's just suffered a, a long-term injury in the last few days. So um, I believe the answer to that in terms of uh, do we have any strikers coming up, I don't think there is anyone necessarily on the cusp of jumping in and or who isn't going to instead go out on loan. So that does kind of bring us nicely to the transfer window. Chat, um, it slams shut and it only slams shut, as we know, at 11pm on Friday, September the 1st. All sorts of names linked recently, although at the time of recording, the only incoming that seems quite close is Dean Henderson, who was reported as sort of early as the Brentford game itself, actually, on Saturday, 
He's had a medical ahead of a move to Palace for what is believed to be £15 million plus add-ons. Um, we kind of touched on this before on the pod about what it might entail for the kind of number one battle at Palace. But just in isolation, Grace, what do you think of that as a as a, as a a goalkeeper to come in since it looks as if Gaeta might be out the door soon? Yeah, no, on paper, um, a, a really astute signing, I think, in terms of he's young. I forgot how young he was because of sort of how long he's been in the public domain and his name's been um, known amongst everyone, really, um, and has always done well everywhere he's gone, but seems keen to want to be the number one somewhere. Um, and I'm, I mean, you can't blame him if you know you're that good at your job. You're, you're never going to be happy to sit and play second fiddle to someone else. Um, I mean, maybe... I mean, I've seen people questioning it in terms of is it somewhere we need to be spending the budget? But I suppose I I think the club have probably looked at it, thought it's a good opportunity for what it was. And if Gaeta does want to go, which judging by his bizarre tweets and this, that and the other, he, he is out the door, then otherwise that leaves us with not really any number two. Um, and given last season, we had a few minor injuries but there were quite a few to the, the various keepers across last season I think highlighted it's important to have a good set of keepers um, whether we can keep them all happy is another thing but no on, on paper I think a great signing Yeah um, as Grace mentioned it there Jack a lot of, I think it's a natural instinct for Palace fans to sort of pocket watch particularly when it doesn't we don't feel like there's a lot of money out there or it's suggested to us that you know we're trying to be careful of our spending so when a goalkeeper comes in for this amount of money, it does raise some eyebrows. But how do you kind of see that as a as a replacement for anyone, any potential outgoes, even as a potential starting Palace keeper for the next five, ten years? Yeah, I, I, I'm quite comfortable with this deal, to be honest. I, I think it's almost too good a deal to say no to. Um, mm. I like Sam Jobs a lot. I think he's he's very competent. But I think Dean Henderson is perhaps a, an improvement on on Sam Johnston. I, I don't say that with any. And at Malice, so I really like Sam Johnston, but I think Dean Henderson might might just be a, a step above. Um, and I think for fifteen million pounds, you could find yourself your first team goalkeeper before that next six, eight, ten years, as you say, Joe. Um, and I, I think it's yeah, I think it's a good deal. I think it's almost too good to turn down. Um, and I think it, it might it, not only is it filling the gap that you know Vicente's um, situation has caused. You know, this isn't a deal that Ronero, the squad, the Palace were looking to any working as, as patrons will know from Selzy's insight but you know once this has become an issue you either go and find a stop gap you know we, we talked previously about Alex McCarthy be, being linked with the club and that's the type of stop gap signing or you go and future proof yourself and invest in the goalkeeper who as I say could be our goalkeeper for, for many years to come and a very good goalkeeper as Gray says um, also it does you know Sam Johnson is he's you know only in the second year of his three year contract but you know that there have been murmurs in the in the press throughout the summer that he has a clause in his contract, and it might be that you know Palace are maybe considering that situation as well as situation with with Vinny and thinking actually rather than the stopgap signing, it makes more sense to do it. It is a sizable amount of money given the relative um, low level of funds that we have, but I I don't think it's a bad deal for Palace to get a keeper of this quality for that fee. Um, it's just surprising that it's not been announced yet. That's the only surprise that even, you know, when the Athletic and 
the light go live with a deal um, on Saturday and it's kind of confirmed that he was on the bench and it's almost like a farewell appearance for United on, on Saturday. But Selzy kind of explained it for people that haven't listened to the Patreon episode yet. That he recorded with Rob after the Plymouth game that, you know, being a bank holiday, there are possibly delays with some medical information coming through. But the expectation is that that will be announced in the, the not too distant future. So, yeah, pleased with that deal. Yeah, there was a kind of hint as well in the press that I think United needed their replacement kind of, they needed to have shaken hands on that as well before they were, yeah. I think they were happy to leave it as late as possible before that that Henderson was sent on his way. Um, but yeah, currently that seems to be the only kind of concrete thing we've got in in the press. Rumours of Kelechi Iheanacho, they've got a bit louder, although a new name has emerged this week uh, in Hugo Ekatike, as you uh, hinted at earlier, Jack. Um, for those who don't know, he is a PSG striker, 21 years old, signed for somewhere between like 25 and 30 million euros after a breakout season at Rem two years ago. Rem, the club where uh, following Balogun has just had a great season, is now back at Arsenal and about to go for sort of similar money, maybe even more. Um, he got 10 league goals as a teenager essentially two years ago at Rem. Got this big money move to PSG, hasn't lit it up there, although it's never going to be first choice there, is he? With at, particularly in the last two years where it has been Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. Um, but he is available for a move, possibly even a loan. Lots of clubs linked with him. West Ham, Brentford, I've seen. Eintracht Frankfurt are exploring the possibility of a make-weight in a deal for their striker, Colo Mwani. Alan Nixon, although, you know, a source that divides opinion, but what I think is usually in the right territory. So you think so? Certainly has his links to the club. White. Uh, <laughs> he seems to believe he's our first choice, um, which I think is quite encouraging, whether that means we're going to get that over the line is a different question i'm going to kind of drop you in it here jack do you know much about him is this someone is this just uh exciting that we have another name in the conversation that isn't the usual i know him from his time at at red when he had his season because he was linked a lot with the premier league then particularly newcastle um i think before they got their riches i I can't quite remember when he was linked with them and in the in the timeline of newcastle's riches but um he was very strongly linked with them so I i did a bit of research and he's Physically, he's he's very impressive. He's got a big frame, but he's actually not particularly good at holding the ball up. He's actually more technical. So, that there there, it might be a bit of a bit of an illusion to think that he's going to be that hold up man. You know, Everton have just signed Beto from Udinese, who looks like that kind of guy who will hold the ball up and be the yeah. kind of uh, launchpad for Dwight McNeil and, and others to kind of chat Harrison to kind of go off. I don't think Hugo Ekatike would be that. I think he would be kind of joining Ball or FC as young people yeah. call us. So. I think he'll be joining that and 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 would be a welcome addition. He's clearly got something about him. Um, we've dealt with PSG before with with Yoan Kabai, so you know, sitting across the table from them isn't. And I don't know if Dougie was our sporting director then, or maybe that deal might predate him. But Parish certainly has, so it wouldn't be the first time we've we've talked to PSG about one of their players. Um, but a name, yeah, from left field, I I, I sense that the options were either Che Adams or Vecchi and Nacho. Um, both of them have their merits. Both of them have their kind of flat deceive elements too. So, um, I don't know. What do you do? Do you get someone who you know has contributed at penalty at Premier League level, or do you go to the continent and get somebody who's perhaps comes a little bit more flair and excitement, but you don't know whether you can cut it at the Premier League? I, I don't know. But then you've got to trust the the club will make that decision in the next two days. 
Well, exactly. We 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 already have a um, a sort of French striker that didn't quite cut the mustard at PSG, who's not the strongest. <laughs> it's a is it risky try going for? Is is it the same? Am I being very harsh there? I'm a great Sp- Spider Man meme. Uh, yeah, there you we go. have a type. Exactly, uh, Grace. Is it very much better the devil you know and go for any Inacho or Che Adams, or do you, you know, just an exotic new name? Let's 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 go for it. I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Because I've got um, uh, quite a few Southampton fan friends um, that don't particularly rave about Che Adams um, and Inacho. They're sort of the names that you sort of knew we'd be linked with because the striker market and the money that some clubs can afford to pay that we can't is just astronomical now so we sort of are left with deciding yeah do we go for um uh, a relegated team's um best option or or do we take a chance and and hope it works then i suppose maybe sometimes it is worth taking the punt um Although how many of those you have to take before one of them eventually works out? They all seem to work out for Brighton. So eventually one of them's got to work out for us, surely, by the, the law of averages. Maybe this is going to be the one that does it for us. And we'll end up going to God knows where for big big figures in a couple of years' time. Yeah, we'll take that at this point. As you say, how many years it's been? It's been a sort of 10 years of waiting, I feel like. Uh, you know, aside from what, a couple of Benteke seasons? And even then, you know... That's a lot. That that fee alone seems to sort of put us off spending money for about three, four years. Um, See, so yeah, I'll take I'll take anyone who looks like they might get more than eight, nine goals. But maybe that's you know. But of course, as well with this, I imagine a lot of it hinges on the futures of Mateta, and if we can get him out of the door as well, a lot of that chat's gone quiet. Links to Leipzig, Dortmund, that all seems to hinge on if there's anyone in coming in for us. Um, otherwise, though. Big guns. The Liverpool interest in Decore seems to have cooled somewhat. I, I imagine that's to do with Palace just going, look, there's not enough time left for us to sort this. If you want him, it's going to be, we're going to highball you. And quite right. I'm glad that we are capable of that. I mean, there was that whole 24 hours where Elise was on his way. Zahara said, God, it was like, we don't, we, we have no way of, we, we're just giving away players. Um, you did mention something earlier though, Jack. Uh, Anderson, the Anderson to Newcastle rumor didn't it went quiet, but this Sven Botman injury is making me slightly nervous that they they're gonna feel like they're gonna have to panic and probably give us very very good money for him, but would leave us doing a trolley dash at ten pm. Yeah, and they can panic into a sixty million pound bid if they want all up front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then we'll see if the club want to be uh, be interested in taking it. I mean, of all the positions, centre half, centre mid. Typically, are deemed to be easier to to replace than than attackers who can hit the ground running. That said, we are so dependent on our two centre backs and and Czech Decore in midfield. I, I don't know if that's actually true in this case. So, I, I think it's too late. I, I mean, I suspect you you're already one 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 injury away from your Jerkham Anderson or Czech Decore not being in your first eleven. So, Palace will always have a target list of, of who would come in, who would be available, either on a short term loan or short term deal or longer term investment. So, you know, if that was to happen, if, if Newcastle were to break the bank for Anderson, I'm, I'm sure there would be options. You know, I saw Bella Kotrap still at Southampton. He was on Southampton's bench the other day. Like, Blimey. Th- yeah, there's a guy who I presumed would be picked up by a Premier League club in the summer 
or at least a top flight club across Europe. This someone, summer. someone Dougie wanted for a long time. Yeah, as well. he was after when he was at Bochum. He was he was after him for you know two seasons. So you dare say if Anderson was unavailable for whatever reason, Palace would be able to identify targets. It's just whether you can then get that deal over the line with a you know ever impending deadline. So yeah, I I, I don't I haven't heard anything about that Sven Botman injury. I, I I think if it was a really bad one, we probably would have heard and probably would be here in Newcastle making moves. But um, yeah, I, I trust that Czech Decorian uh, commanders will still be Palace players come Saturday morning. Yeah. Now, Jack said there, Grace, you know, we, we've surely got a list of players that you know, we've always got an eye on if it comes to that. Do you think, given the goalkeeper situation, there's been reports of, I don't know how much speculation it was. Uh, I think it was the mirror this this kind of merry-go-round potentially that can happen with goalkeepers. Um, so there's talk of Jose Saar, Wolves' goalkeeper, possibly be on the, on the move. And that might lead to Sam Johnston coming in at Wolves. Now, do you think that with the time that's left and the fact we've just got a goalkeeper, yes, I'm sure they can pull the list out of the bin of all the backups, but do you think getting rid of Sam Johnston now, if, if it's established that Henderson might be the number one, does that just leave it? Is that just cutting it too fine? Is that just next summer's problem yeah I mean I think in an ideal world we keep hold of Johnston and get Henderson and I think that will be very much their plan because as as you say at the 11th hour uh, whoever is going to be available probably isn't the most desirable if they are still available um, we'll be paying a premium because they'll know that there's this this last minute scramble to try and get someone and it could just end up be us being in the same position and only having a number one and then a couple of, of younger players that we're with sort of the best will in the world hoping don't get called upon too often if at all um, but yeah so hopefully I think the the aim would be to try and try and keep hold of both so that they can fire out to number one and then kick it down the can to next summer when we've had a bit more time to to plan and prepare for, for what, what comes next not to um, panic everyone about clauses, given how much time we've spent talking about release clauses over the last month or so. But the the stories earlier in the summer about in relation to Sam Johnson, again, I say this with absolutely no knowledge, but indication was that there's a clause in that contract in terms of the clause being met and then he's able to talk to clubs and then whatever happens after that happens. But that indicates to me that we probably wouldn't be panicked into selling him in terms of finances because his market value is possibly set by a contract clause. Right. So. We either sell him now for X amount, or we sell him for the same X amount in January or, or next or next summer, if that's the direction the club wish to take. I mean, there's no how this fads. It's almost like this fear of having two two very good goalkeepers in at the same time. It's almost like this isn't allowed. We can't possibly have two goalkeepers of this caliber, um, and we may not for a very long time, but we very possibly will have for at least one season. And and that's no bad thing. That's just very good planning by the club and good procurement. So um, yeah. I, I, I don't think we would be rushed and I think the, the essence of him having one year left of his contract then probably anticipated by the club when they signed into a three-year contract last summer. So, yeah, whatever happens with Sam Johnson, I don't think the club would be too frustrated. We got him on a free, you know, it's, it's it's a deal that suited the club at the time and I think will continue to suit the club until, you know, either he signs an extended contract or he departs whenever he might depart. Just thinking though, who's our best goalkeeping combo is it Spironi and Gabble although I guess at the time Spironi wasn't as well loved back then Nigel Martin had a couple you know who, who was his assist, uh, sort of deputy at the time quite young yeah. keepers weren't it mostly and Perry Sutton yeah. 
Where is it? Yeah, not Chris Day and Carlo Nash. Chris Day and Carlo Nash. You both went on to do. I oh know because Chris Day was kind of Chris Day, mate. Honestly, he was the, the the bigger name of the two, right? And then he was he was number one for the first half of that season, but it was Super Carlo who took us to, to Wembley and thirty five thousand pounds from Clitheroe. Don't know why that stuck in my brain. I'm sure there's some more important information in my brain that's been but placed than that. So Jack, I'm exactly the same. And do you remember when he came to our primary school? Yes, I do. Yes, you do. There you go. Was that the same summer fate that David Tuttle came in a caster plot or still whatever really? I think so. He, David Tuttle was at school a lot, injured. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Chris Powell came to one of ours as well. We we we're like a convey it's like Sky Sports News at our primary school. Well it's funny you mentioned Sky Sports News because Clinton was on doing the kind of soccer set or soccer midweek yeah, whatever it's it was special. They call it special when it's not set. Yeah, it's soccer special. He was on last night and I proudly told my partner that he came to our summer fate when I was 11, that was a big day, and I was too nervous to talk to him. <laughs> he was furious when we went 1-0 down. He wasn't even covering the game. He was on the other side of the studio, just mumbling and grumbling, shouting over who the 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 pundit that was actually covering the game. He loves uh, it. Oh, goodness. Right, that's the end of part two, a massive part two. I feel like I really stretched your guys' time here. Thank you for this. Okay. Uh, we're going to merge a couple of parts, I think, next, and part three. We'll get into 3-2-1 and the Wolves preview. See you on the other side. Welcome back to part three of this five-year plan podcast. We Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Right, it is time for 3-2-1. This is a new game introduced quite recently. Uh, a replacement of winners and losers. It's one that allows us to just maintain positivity and not slide down the the negativity slide, I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like it's a very easy, very it's the most appealing as a football fan, I think, certainly for me. But we're going to keep it positive. Um, we are going to nominate three points for a player or even a manager or the fans. Some, anyone you like, Palace-related, from the last few days. We're going to include the Brentford game and the Plymouth game in that. Two points to somebody else. And then in the podium position of third, we're going to award a point to somebody else. These points will be tallied up all at the end of the season and awarded... Well, the, I guess the, the person with the most points is our official FYP player of the year. But that's all a lot further down the line. As for these last couple of games, this game week, as you said there, Jack, earlier, a very uh, proper fantasy football oh, don't mechanism. It. Can't even get away from it when Jim's not in it. <laughs> oh, don't worry. That's the last mention. I've never played it. Um, do you, who, who are we awarding? Who are contenders for full marks? I can think of one this week, but uh, the three points. Is it someone who's got three goals? Is it really I mean, let, let's let's each chuck a nominee out there, and then we can kind of allocate the points afterwards. But I, I'm split. Grace, do you want to go first? It's your it's your first pod appearance of the season. It's hard to look past the triple triple boom of Matata, isn't it? Really. <laughs> um. Yeah. That that he would get my uh, honourable mention this week. I think. Yeah, you I can't really look past a Palace hat trick, as you say, Joe, doesn't happen very often. So no, no. For, for what is potentially going to be his first and final three points of the season, <laughs> I, I think. But, you know, you've got, got to do right by him. You know, he's earned it. And I think we're, it's probably the easiest decision we'll make 
all season is the three points. To three JP. goals, three goals, three points. So it, then we it, the the conversation gets a bit more difficult and interesting. Right. I think I, beyond this, I'm going to chuck Jack Amanda because you know before last night he was my my clear winner of the week because he had such a good game and, and obviously scored the uh, the draw. Uh, uh, secured the draw with his goal so yeah Jack Madison would be my nominee and I, I would put him forward for the three points but I can't look past racist suggestion for the three points so yeah uh, my nominee is is Jerkin Anderson and, and Joe you can chuck yours and then we can determine who gets two and who gets one point yeah this is tough because I feel over the two games Ebbs' performance at Plymouth is obviously we've covered it already it's quite something but we're talking you know over it is Plymouth, regardless. And and what we didn't mention earlier on the show, not Plymouth's first eleven either. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> you know, they. I had a Plymouth fan in the ground who was tweeting me the whole time, and he was going, "Oh, we've brought on our big guns now. This is our starting eleven. The last sort of uh, like sort of by the last 10, 20 minutes. So, yes. So I feel like as enjoyable it is to watch at the time in the moment. I feel like if we're going to measure across the two games. The other contenders, you've got a Jefferson Lerma, possibly, who did get all three points last time we did this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I we've talk, spoken about him already. Jordan Ayu, that's my that's my contender versus Yoa. I I I just I love how well he's doing at the moment. It's yeah. as as Grace touched on earlier, there's certain things we no longer look to him for, but he is he's a busy boy and he's getting a lot of stuff done and he is being asked to do a little bit more than usual, actually, because of where we are in the four positions, fitness-wise, depth-wise. So, I, 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 I think I have to salute him in this way by throwing yeah. in the mix. Good shout, and and both involved in the goal. So, um, yeah, I mean, given that he scored the goal, and and you know, we've all said that he was the best player on the pitch. Are we okay giving Joe the two points and Jordan taking the the bronze medal with the one point? I I think so, unless Grace. Your veto is valuable here, so as the neutral party, I suppose. So, no, I think that's a fair, um, fair assessment of it all. I, I tell you what, I I would not have believed that Jerker Manson wouldn't have got the three points at seven forty-five yesterday evening. So, for for Jean Philippe to do what he did, fair fair play to to you, my friend. That uh, I guess uh, JD now updates his spreadsheet. Yes, currently the spreadsheet is just three lines in the pod notes here. Um, <laughs> J- JP now goes level with Jefferson Lerma on three points, Anderson and Wardy on two. Wardy, good job. There's no subtractions on this. <laughs> um, and then IU alongside Tyreek Mitchell on one point. Ah, oh, so it's, it's everyone's it's a spread. Brand. Yeah, good spread. No, uh, no duplicates from last week. Yeah, Please. and oh. amazing that there's a striker on there, uh, given everything. Um, let's quickly jump at, into what would have been part four, but you know. Let's 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 merge it all together. Let's look ahead to this Sunday. We've got Wolverhampton Wanderers coming to Sellers Park. That's a two PM on Sunday. It's on TV, by the way. We're sponsored by Green King Sport. They'll be televised at any of their pubs, by the way. Uh, I'll that you'll hear that a lot this season, and quite right. Um, Wolves' league record. I'll just throw it out there for you, everyone. They had that quite unlucky defeat at Old Trafford on the opening weekend of the season. Quite unlucky to not got a penalty there. They then got hammered at home by Brighton 4-1. And then there was a 1-0 win at Everton. The goal scorer there quite late on was Kalajdzic, who was a big money signing for them this time last year, I believe. 
and had a season-ending injury almost immediately. So it is crucial in his debut or something, didn't it? Yeah. So one thing I was going to get to is that you know, as well as losing their manager Lopetegui, they've lost quite a significant number of players this summer. Ruben Neves, Nathan Collins went to Brentford. Raúl Jiménez, Connor Cody, Jamutinho has gone on a free. Adama Traore is on to Fulham on a free, and now it looks like possibly Matias Nunez is going to go to Man City for... I think, that, I think that's done. Yeah, which is, is quite close to cost on what they paid for him, actually. So it's, uh, I guess, because the players forced it through. And the alarm bell for Wolves, really, I feel like I'm teeing this up for a 1-0 defeat at Sellers for not <laughs> going too much, but mostly free transfers this summer, including Matt Doherty coming back and like signings for their youth team and the under-21s. But they do have those players where they've, you know, I guess the issue with Lopetegui resigning was that he was asking for more money and more money. And they have actually spent quite a significant amount over the last few years, including that Kalajic, who is now only just now getting into the team. And still now, as we can see, they do still have a goal for it. They've lost a lot of people without replacing them, but they're no mugs as that the United game showed. And, you know, that, that Everton win is, you know, they also beat Blackpool 5-0 in the cup this week. So... It's it's easy to go call Gary Neal's in for a slog this season. Financially, they look all over the place. But I think we need to be careful, Jack. They're not pushovers this weekend. No. Um, I think a lot of people considered the Lopper-Tegui situation as part of their thoughts in terms of who was going to struggle this season. But, you know, they, they've lost some big players. And this is probably top of the list in terms of impact. And they haven't replaced them. But Gary Neal's quite astute we saw that at Bournemouth last year like he, he doesn't panic um, and, and he'll he'll get a group of players together and get them organised and um, I, I think they'll be down I don't see how they can possibly you know be that comfortable this season given the impact on their squad they've had but you know that type of win on Saturday they had is pivotal to, to where their season ends up so I, I presume they'll be looking for a similar performance in, you know, it's a tough game, grind it out and then, you know, maybe look to nick one in the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, yeah, in, in, they're an interesting club balls because it was only a year ago they spent un, under Bruno Large, they spent an absolute fortune last summer. Um, and you just mentioned the, the Nunes selling to, to Man City, as, you, as kind of suggested, when, when you sell to Man City, you're meant to sell at a huge profit and I think they're going to sell at a profit, but maybe of around £10 million and a large amount of that will go back to Sporting Lisbon. So it's it's not really, it's peculiar transfer that. Um, but no, I, I think um, Sunday could be a bit of a slog, to be honest. I, I'm not expecting a, a classic and unless someone like Ebbs really turns it on and dictates the game from, from his position, I'm, I'm expecting a, a bit of a dire uh, game to be honest. I've already seen Liverpool and Aston Villa fans moaning that that's the two o'clock game on British TV. And uh, Liverpool will win that isn't, but hey, that's uh, Liverpool will fans for you. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be what it'll be. Um, but I don't think it'll be a classic. The other thing we haven't factored right. <laughs> and and do bring all your children to Palace. Because yes, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. for a minute. Not going down that negativity. Come on, slide, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Dan. Bring your kids. <laughs> the negativity slide is closed today in the park. Um, the other thing, Grace, that we kind of. Although it's only a few days away, we've just covered the transfer window, still a few days left. Both sides could look notably different by the time Sunday comes around, um, which could kind of 
it almost <laughs> it doesn't leave this chat redundant but we kind of have to be careful that the palace that is going to be going into this side might look quite different in certain areas than we expect that we've just seen at Brentford for example but given how we've performed in those previous league games I don't scared I don't feel scared going into games do you do you feel it's just kind of this is just one that we turn the screw slowly and just wear them down as we did with Brentford as we tried with Arsenal is it is it that kind of game rather than a sort of goal a minute thrill a minute I think this is a it's going to be tight yeah I think our goals against our goals sorry our games against them since we've been promoted have generally been like that although I think we've probably just about one more than we've lost but they seem to be they're usually pretty close and uh, no, we beat them at home last year and then lost away um but and that they're yeah taking into account like you say that that we could look different and um, they could look different um yeah it'll be be interesting to see yeah I don't think it'll be one for the uh a football football purists and and one of my friends, I'm in like a prediction league thing where you can only use each team once and once you pick someone that loses, you're out. Um, and they said to me, surely you're picking Palace this week. And I was like, huh, oh no, I won't be. I'm hoping that I get knocked out before I have to rely on us yeah. <laughs> to, to to avoid losing. But um, I'd, I'd hope, given that we are on at home, given, albeit league cup against Plymouth, but the confidence we hopefully have from turning the, the game around last night, um, hopefully we can use it to to build and sort of get a solid foundation um, of of good home performances and hopefully results to to get the season going. Yeah, Jack. The what the Plymouth game did kind of highlight, particularly with that triple change, was perhaps the depth that we have isn't you know it isn't, it isn't even as good as we probably thought it was prior, which we didn't have a massive opinion of it. It shows you how short we are in certain areas when, and you do need those first team players out. But there wasn't, you know. Do you do you think that that half an hour of IU, as they and Schlupp, that they more than they wanted to have? I guess I, I didn't. I was surprised. You know, Tyreek doing ninety minutes was probably a surprise as well. But who do you put in? You said you have back in the club. <laughs> yeah. Do do you think that that should factor in on Sunday? Is there is enough time between that game to Sunday to yeah. make a huge difference? I was quite reassured. Roy was asked about that after the game, and he said that he was hopeful to get Ebbs and Jeffrey and Jeffrey, not very formal. I'm his mother, mm. Jeffrey and uh, Jordan minutes because we don't play till Sunday. So he didn't want them, you know, having eight days off. He actually wants to, you know, this early in the season, you probably want your players still moving, and they're not in desperate need of, of rests as, as might happen later on in the season. So um, I think Roy was actually quite happy to to give them minutes and, and albeit they actually contributed to the turning around of, of the game. So so that was good. Um, well, the only disappointment I have last night is, not, you know, I was pleased to see Jez Raksaki start and pleased he had a relatively, of anyone that did have a good first half, it was him. The one who I'm a little bit disappointed for, not him, but disappointed for was Ahamada. I, I just thought Schlupp's performance on Saturday, you know, left quite a... Not bad taste in mouth, just you know, it's difficult to see what he's actually bringing um, to the team given that performance. So I thought, well, you know, Ahamada didn't do a bad job when he came on, so I hoped that he would impress last night and make Roy think twice about maybe starting him on Sunday. But the fact he was one of the three that came off of the three that came on suggests that he might not have um, swayed Roy in his thoughts as to where he is at the moment. So 
I, I fully expect as we went in. I mean, would that be the fourth game unchanged if we go into the set? Have we made any changes yet? Don't think we have. So not in the league. Um, I think not in the league. So I would not be surprised if we're unchanged with the fourth game running. Um, and uh, you know, we've talked about Mateta. Has he justified a start on Sunday, whether he's still at the club or not? Um, and I still think, even if he is at the club, I, I still think I would be surprised at one o'clock if I saw Jean-Philippe Mateta's name on the starting signing lineup list. Wolves, one of the few teams who's actually scored against as well in the league. Yes. Well, one, uh, one and a right. half yards out, yeah. Yeah, they all count as uh, yeah. Anderson Anderson would attest. <laughs> um, I, hope, I hope Wolves are unchanged from their cup game just because it would mean we avoid... Two words that should send a shiver down your spine as a Palace player. Craig Dawson was on the bench. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 Everyone's favourite. Yeah, I'd be glad to see the back of him. There's always... Never forgive him. Never forgive. Um, but yeah, that's that's Sunday. Um, hopefully a strong Palace performance is enough there. And uh, it's been a strong performance on this five-year plan podcast oh, by nice. Jack Beard and Grace Matheson. So thank you very much for helping me through this, holding my hand. In uh, across this episode, excellent performance, Chuck. Excellent performance. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and that is it until the weekend. If you're a patron, you're going to have a post match pod after the Wolves game. Um, again, that link, if you haven't signed up, is patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. There's also Discord club access and ad free episodes a little ahead of time as well. So I'm on it, very much worth it. Trust me. Um, but if not, uh, JD will join you this time next week. So thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, see you guys later. Thanks, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.